umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. And just when we thought that the Michigan coaching staff was set for next season, we have an unexpected departure. Mo Linguist has left to become a head coach. Well, Clint, what do you think about that one? The, I mean, the first reaction is that it hurts for sure. You know, he he made an immediate impact in terms of generating buzz on the recruiting trail, for sure. Cornerback as a position group uh, needs a lot of the work. It was one of the, you know, the biggest shortcomings in the 2020 season. So having uh, such a crazy coach turnover uh, around your spring season is not ideal, of course. And then he, he was given a, you know, co-defensive coordinator title. So there's a, uh, you know, a leadership position within the, the new defensive staff to fill. So uh, not ideal, obviously, and uh, definitely hurts. Uh, not a major shock. You know, I, I think some, some folks that are, uh, their first reactions are that the sky is continuing to fall on in Ann Arbor is a little bit overblown. You know, Mo Linguist was well-traveled, had bounced uh, around many jobs, and was clearly very ambitious with his own uh, personal professional development and career path. And uh, there's, again, we've said this before, there's nothing wrong with that. You want coaches that are ambitious and trying to uh, to prepare themselves to take the next step. And uh, when a head coaching position became available, you know, it, it, everything changed. I'm sure that... Uh, Jim Harbaugh and Mo Linguist, neither of them had a plan for uh, for him to be in Ann Arbor for the spring and then jump to another job. Um, this is obviously uh, all the, the tail end of a chain of events that started with Les Miles getting fired in, in Can- at the Kansas job. So um, it's kind of out of control of, of Jim Harbaugh and the program, but uh, it definitely hurts, and there's another really key um, spot on that coaching staff to fill, and uh, you know Harbaugh is going to have to do some homework quickly, get somebody in and a new guy up to speed, and it's it's definitely not ideal. Well, I think that the timing is the worst thing about it, right? Um, I, I think you always have to look at where the players or where the coach is going and what they're going to be doing. So obviously, he's getting an opportunity to lead the program at Buffalo. He's going to be the head coach. Uh, that's definitely a step up, right? It's it's different than, you know, in my opinion, when Matt Dudek left and, you know, basically took the same job for Mississippi State. Um, I think that stings a little bit more and a little bit differently than when uh, a coach gets an opportunity to, to again, be a head coach. I mean, uh, many coaches, that's what they strive for. And, uh, again, I, I think it speaks well of them and it speaks well – uh, Harbaugh having him on his staff that he was considered, you know, a, a, a candidate. And then finally the, the, the guy to lead the program. Now with that said, again, the timing is not ideal. Um, I think, uh, there's definitely a lot of the sky is falling in Ann Arbor and, you know, really, I think that's, that's more uh residue of the whole scale coaching changes that we saw in the off season. Right. Um, it seems like, there's a lot of guys coming and going, and, and you know what? There is. But when you look at this, again, he definitely went, you know, took a step up professionally, and, um, you know, Michigan is going to have to scramble to 
find someone to replace that position. And and yes, he was co-defensive coordinator, but he was co, right? It's not like he was the guy leading everything. Um, you know, he was sharing the burden. And uh, and again, that that's, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for Mike McDonald to probably be, I would guess, primary, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, sole defensive coordinator moving forward. But, you know, we'll have to see who they get to come in. Yeah, the other impact, like I mentioned, is going to be on the recruiting trail. He, he made some inroads right away. There were guys that were offered and uh, generated interest in visits uh, to Ann Arbor right after the Mo Linguist hire, um, where he was the primary recruiter. So uh, there, there may be residual uh, ripple effect. Um, we'll see. I, there are some pretty high-profile visits scheduled for june and then through the end of the summer and they i know they've got that large barbecue which is a kind of a recruiting closing event for for michigan so we'll have to keep our eyes on on other um verbal commits and and recruits that uh, had generated interest because of mo linguist addition to the staff um there, there may be some defects but i i don't think that this will impact the the largest names um, that had been committed to Michigan, namely, you know, Will Johnson from from Gross Point. Uh, I, I think that that commitment will stay solid, and that even though the Mo linguist hire uh, was a positive for for Will Johnson, I think um, Ron Bellamy and the local flavor being added to the staff was was uh, equally important, and uh, he's a Michigan legacy also. So. Um, that would be the one recruiting impact that would be, uh, you know, pretty devastating. Um, but I don't expect to see any, any wiggle there, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see. And, uh, um, you know, again, the hire and who comes in next specifically to coach the cornerbacks functionally, I think is, is very critical. And, and with Ron Bellamy taking the safeties, um, you know, there's just not a lot of experience right now in that defensive backfield in terms of coaching at a, at the collegiate level. So this this hire becomes pretty large, but uh, it, it's a problem that I think Harbaugh can solve, and, and obviously hope hope that he gets it done quickly. So one thing I'm going to miss: we had limited availability with Mo Linguist, but he really struck me as a guy who was very comfortable talking to the media and describing what he was trying to do and, and the different techniques he was trying to impart. So I'm going to miss whenever there's somebody that I feel I can learn from uh, as, as somebody following the team. That, that was one thing that, that struck me when he left. Um, you know, the other thing I was thinking regarding recruiting is will any of his players that he was um, targeting at Michigan follow him to Buffalo? And I, I think that that's kind of the thing that's, that's in the back of my mind is, you know, did he have or does he have a strong enough relationship where they would follow him? And, and I think that's going to be one of the uh, the markers that, that I'll be tracking over the next year or so as we see how, how these recruits actually choose where they're going to end up uh, attending. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly right. And again, I think from, from a, a large perspective or a big picture, you know, it's understandable. A, a job became available he's an ambitious coach and took a step forward in his professional career path and, uh, and seized the opportunity, you know, certainly can't, uh, can't fault a guy for that leaves Michigan in a lurch. So it's a, it's a negative event, but I, I don't harbor any ill will toward a guy that, that takes a head coaching job. Um, 
and he had been an assistant at Buffalo too. There were lots of lots of connections there. So I I, I have no ill will toward the guy. Wish him the best at Buffalo, except uh, when it affects Michigan's path. And uh, we'll see we'll see who the next person in that spot is. Definitely, and and you know one of the other things to consider, like you said, there definitely you know ties that uh, that Mo has. Um, you know, uh, one of the other things is is that you know uh, Ward Manuel was also the athletic director over there, so you can imagine that there are some uh, some ties going back and forth. So again, good for him, um, and Michigan moves on, and we'll see who they who they bring in. Um, I think uh, you know there's some other things that happened, uh, specifically in the NFL draft that are going to I think impact Michigan recruiting wise. Uh, despite having some disappointing seasons, Michigan made a huge impact in the NFL draft. Um, you know, one guy going in the first round, three guys in the third round, two in the fifth round, two in the sixth round, and then three, uh, at least three undrafted free agent signing. So, um, again, Michigan making a major impact. Of course, Quiddy Pay going in the first round to Indianapolis. Um, you know, looks like a really great spot for him. I was reading some interviews where, um, you know, the Indianapolis Brain Trust was saying that basically it was an easy pick for them, that, you know, he, he has some great, great potential, a uh, great uh, guy on and off the field, and they think he's going to have a major impact. So it's nice to see things work out for Quiddy, you know, and I, I think most Michigan fans know that he has a, uh, a very interesting life path, you know, overcome some major challenges and it's great to see a guy like that, um, come over and, and make the most of his opportunities. And, uh, you know, one of the highlights, of of the, uh, of the draft was, was seeing how happy he and his family were, uh, that, that, you know, he, uh, you know, went in the first round and everything, you know, is looking like it's going to work out for him. Yeah, absolutely. The the draft, the first round especially, is um, they've really the network coverage has really uh, zoomed in on on the family impact of of these accomplishments for the players and their families, and uh, especially you know players that came from uh, challenging uh, upbringings and, and difficult childhoods and, and you know uh, impoverished areas, and to be able to financially set their families up. Um, likely for the rest of their lives and, and kind of generate uh, generational wealth and take care of future generations of their family is, uh, is so, so huge. And, and I like that there's at least that, that human angle integrated into the draft coverage on top of, you know, 40 times and bench press reps and, and video clips. Um, and, and like you said, Quiddy's selection to, to the Colts was one of the uh, one of the more heartwarming um, moments where where he you know tells his mom that that she's retired now and uh, um, today we're recording this on Mother's Day and uh, I can certainly understand you know wanting to be able to take care of your mother like that and uh, good for him and I know that uh, the Michigan fan base and alumni base has a uh, has a long time to root for Quiddy Pay and hopefully he's a uh, he's you know, equally impactful on the field as he was um, in for for Michigan. Hopefully, that continues into his NFL career. Yep, 
A- absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I am primarily uh, a college football fan. You know, I've mentioned that many times on this podcast. Um, so it's interesting because I have a lot of friends who are primarily NFL fans, right? And they'll say, oh, well, how is this player going to do? And how is that player going to do? And when a Michigan player gets taken in the first round and, you know, signs that, you know, really great first round contract, in my mind, um, while of course I want to see them continue to succeed, in my mind, they've already, you know, succeeded in a major way, right? Like you said, um, you know, when you look at, um, you know, what that contract looks like, so uh, Quiddy signed a four-year deal worth $13.6 million, $7.2 million signing bonus. And like you said, that's generational wealth, right? That's the kind of thing where if you, uh, uh, if you invest wisely and you make good decisions, not only will you be able to take care of your immediate family, but you can set your, you and your future family and future descendants up to have some really distinct advantages. So um, now I, I hope that he continues to have success and signs another contract and is, is wildly successful and stays healthy. But um, there's a certain amount of when, when I see a first round pick like that and that kind of contract, it's kind of like a, a mission accomplished, right? It's, it's why you play college football and, and, and why you work to get to the next level. So, and again, Quiddy Pay, great guy to interview, great guy to follow. Michigan fans can be very proud and uh, I think we're all joined together in wishing him future success. So yeah. um, the the next guy taken uh, was, uh, well, and, you know, before we get to that, I mean, uh, would have loved to have seen Quiddy Pay play more for Michigan. You know, he, he got dinged up in this last season, but, uh, you know, definitely one of those players that um, I think there's a little bit of what if, right, if, if he had had a full season to – to, to really make a, a major impact. Um, who knows? He might've even gone even higher. I, I agree with that. Absolutely. That That's what I was going to kind of bring up. I think he, he may have been weighed down the most by uh, not having the 2020 season um, and still ended up at the tail end of the first round. You know, I, I really think had he been able to play the full complement of uh you know, 11, 12 or 13 games this season and really put some, some big numbers up and, and some highlights on film. He, he could have made a push to toward the top 10. Um, just a, an amazing, amazing combination of athleticism and, and, and topping a lot of a general lot of buzz with his uh, combine numbers and, and quickness and power numbers. But also I, I recall Don Brown multiple times in media availability saying that technically speaking from a fundamental standpoint, from a technique standpoint, Quiddy pay is one of the best that he ever saw. And he started saying that when Rashawn Gary was hurt in that 2018 season, Quiddy pay came in and the, the drop off was minimal. Very, very tough to tell that uh, it was Quiddy pay in there and not Rashawn Gary um, when he was fighting that injury. And that, that praise of being technically, and uh, mentally sharp uh, from your coach on top of the ridiculous athlete um, speed, agility, and power numbers that he put up at multiple combines and, and the pro day. Um, he's got everything it takes to, to really be super impactful. And, uh, again, it's going to be fun to watch, so good for him. Absolutely. 
So uh, the next Wolverine taken was Ambry Thomas, third round, 102nd pick. San Francisco took him. Now, this is a guy who obviously we didn't get to see play in, in the abbreviated season. You know, third round, it's not bad. Um, I think uh, maybe if he had played, if he had had that opportunity, um, I wouldn't have been surprised to see him go a little higher. So um, I, I think San Francisco is definitely a good organization and a good fit for him. It doesn't surprise me that he was the second player taken, I guess is what I'm saying. As, uh, you know, I was looking at some draft projections that had him much lower, and and uh, and I was surprised. I think I think this is uh, I think he's a good talent. I think he has a really nice opportunity, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, make an impact in in the NFL. I agree with that, and, and you know, and multiple times I've said I think his opt out after the Big Ten botched the return to to play last summer. His opt out was the most impactful for Michigan going into the 2020 season. Um, that, that turned out to be even more true than, than we would imagine. Um, I think that there were some L's on, on the schedule that would have been wins um, had that one player been different with, with Ambry Thomas. But, um, you know, it is, that is what it is. You can't change the past. I think another big thing for Ambry Thomas is he will be a contributor on special teams right away. So he's he's going to give himself a great chance to make the 53-man roster for the 49ers right away because he'll play and contribute on special teams. And remember, he, uh, he kick-started Michigan scoring in that 2018 season against Notre Dame with a kick return. So he, he may be a, a jammer or a gunner uh, on punt coverage. He could uh, cover kicks, but he could also... Uh, sneak in as a returner depending on on the needs of their organization so um outside of even playing cornerback i think Henry thomas is going to find his way uh onto the field very quickly for san francisco another wolverine taken into the third round offensive tackle jalen mayfield going to atlanta um you know and the thing that strikes me in this is that when we think back to michigan's offensive line from the before last season, um, everybody gets drafted, right? That's definitely, definitely uh, something that uh, I think it's a feather in the cap of Michigan that I think they can show that they're developing offensive linemen. Um, of course, uh, we had a coaching change, which which uh, we've had a lot of coaching changes, but I think that for that group, it's definitely something that 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 they can hang their hat on. And again, um, Jalen's another guy who. Um, you know, got dinged up early in the season. Um, and I think that uh, if the season had been longer, perhaps he would have had a chance to come back. And if he had had more tape, um, I wouldn't have been surprised to see him go earlier. Um, again, I, I think, you know, they talk about value picks. I think this is a great value pick for Atlanta, right? I think that, I think this, this is a, a really easy one. And, uh, you know, I look for good things from him. Yes, absolutely. A lot of upside with Jalen Mayfield. A lot of room to uh, grow, I'm sure. And um, I, I obviously think that he's going to have a chance to compete for playing time right away. You know, a third-round pick um, isn't necessarily uh, going to be penciled into the starting spot, but he, uh, he'll have the ability to compete and, and try to get onto the two-deep and maybe even uh, into the starting lineup as a rookie. 
Um, so that's a, a good goal to put right in front of yourself as a as an incoming offensive lineman. And I agree with your point um, that he would have benefited in terms of draft stock from, from being able to get on the field a little bit more. Uh, also, again, this is a guy that made a name for himself by holding his own um, as, as a young player, as, as a redshirt sophomore in that 19th season and uh, really was able to stand up well against, uh, you know, all American players, you know, like Chase Young um, from Ohio State in the last game of the year and uh, that Alabama defensive front in the bowl game. Um, Jalen Mayfield showed that he's, he's capable athletically, physically, and mentally um, to, to stand up to NFL caliber players. So uh, I think we always knew that there was a kind of a, a, a floor for him that was going to be, he's an NFL prospect right at that moment. So good for him on, on cashing in on that uh, potential and uh, obviously wish him the best. I don't know. I don't know that the Falcons are the organization that I would send uh, <laughs> that I'd want to be uh, heading to, but uh, maybe he can be part of a, a major turnaround down there in Atlanta. Well, you know, the nice thing about being a mid round offensive lineman, you know, in my opinion, in, unless you're a generational talent, okay, um, there are guys who are who are offensive linemen who are drafted into the top of the first round who immediately get plugged in and, and have an immediate impact, right? Other than guys like that, I think it makes a lot of sense to come in as a, again, mid-round, lower-round pick, um, and, you know, you don't get saddled with a really long contract. You can develop, and then, you know, you do have the opportunity to shop your talent right around right around when you're coming into your own, right? So, again, I, I hear you about Atlanta, and, uh, uh, again, hopefully uh, Jalen will get his opportunity and can, uh, like you said, either be part of the turnaround or uh, develop his talent and and, uh, and go somewhere and, and get paid and have more success on the field than looks like is lining up there. Um, speaking of another situation that I don't know uh, I would wish on a Wolverine, um, Nico Collins uh, was drafted by Houston and uh, a, a lot of turmoil going on in Houston right now. Um, a lot of interesting things coming about how the uh, the the back office or is is being run there. So again, the big thing for Nico, um, you know, I, I think he's another value pick there. I think a player that um, you know, if the uh, NCAA and Big Ten had handled things differently, um, I wouldn't have been surprised if Nico perhaps had changed his mind and played. I think. Uh, he would have high, he would have benefited from highlighting his talents with uh with some more uh with more game tape more more recent game tape but again not the worst you know being taken in the third round is not the worst thing and uh he's definitely shown um stretches of 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 NFL talent and and I I'm looking for good things from Nico as he moves on yeah, and this draft was was just ridiculous to keep at receiver you know, just ridiculously deep. So really, to be uh, a third-round pick in this draft is, is really saying something. Having uh, opted out of the 2020 season, uh, you and I obviously have always been huge Nico Collins fans. Uh, he was very, very underutilized in the passing game in the uh, the 18 and 19 seasons, in in my opinion. 
Um, and I just, I, I was convinced and am still convinced that he was going to break out and be right in the conversation nationally with, uh, with the other big playmakers that got drafted in the first round of this draft. Uh, the guys from LSU, the guys from Alabama, I think Nico Collins was right there in that conversation in terms of big playability and, uh, the numbers that he was going to generate had he been able to play in the 2020 season. Um, again, water under the bridge. Nothing to do about that now, but I am glad that uh, that he didn't fall too far. Third round is is very very respectable, especially in that receiver draft. Um, let's hope that uh, he he's given a chance to succeed in Houston, and that uh, you know that, that organization's problems don't uh, run him through the ringer the way that some of the other uh, players that come out of there do. Seem to be speaking about the organization. Um, obviously, wishing him the best, and I think that there's going to be at least uh, at least a few flashes of Nico Collins on the on the highlight reels um, from his rookie season this year. Definitely agree, and definitely hope to see the same thing. Uh, next Wolverine taken was Cam McGrone, and he was taken in the fifth round. Now, the good part of that is he was taken by the Patriots, and. While the Patriots uh, had an uncharacteristically down season uh, with uh, Tom Brady leaving and going to Tampa Bay and winning yet another Super Bowl, um, I think when you see a player selected by um, by the staff there, right, um, when you see uh, especially a defensive player taken, you know that they see something special. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think that, that where he was taken was about right. I think he's going to have an opportunity. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen flashes. Um, would have definitely liked to have seen more. Um, you know, and again, part of uh, it's hard to be real excited about, um, you know, about anybody coming off of, uh, you know, who didn't, uh, w- with the struggles we had in defense last year, um, Quiddy was one of the few bright spots, right? So hopefully uh, I think Cam's going to have a good opportunity in New England. And again, uh, with, uh, with with the staff there selecting him, you know that they see something there, some potential for, for him to be a player in the league for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Patriots always seek value, um, especially in the later round picks. I think they see in Cam McGrone is a lot of versatility. Played middle linebacker for Michigan. Um, uh, his speed sideline, which uh, I think will give them a lot of flexibility to put him really anywhere in their linebacking core and can play all three downs if he uh, continues to develop and work his way into the starting role. He, uh, he has the ability to adapt and play inside or outside and, and can be a pass rush threat um, as well as drop into coverage. So there's, there's no reason he can't play on all three downs in the NFL. And I think that's a, that's a good gamble for a fifth-round pick from, uh, from an organization like the Patriots. And also, that's a guy, in my opinion, that, that can make a pretty uh, solid NFL career by uh, keeping himself on the two deep and continuing to contribute on special teams. You know, if he's covering kicks, covering punts right away as a rookie, as he uh, learns their system and, and – um, fits himself into the good uh, good graces of their coaching staff, then I think he could uh, he could have a multi year 
our multi-contract career um, and continue to, to be an active NFL player, even as a fifth-round pick because of his ability to run and uh, his tackling ability. And there, there's lots of need for that on an NFL roster. Maybe not guys that end up being all pros at linebackers, but you need those guys on the coverage units. And those are the guys that uh, make a pretty solid career um, by, by doing all of those things right. So here's hoping that, that that's how Cam does, and, and we'll see um, if there are any uh, opportunities for he and Chase Winovich to be resting the pastor at the same time uh, for New England this coming year. Next up, and, and I think this is a really interesting pick from my perspective, you have fullback Ben Mason getting selected by Baltimore in the fifth round. And um, you know that if John Harbaugh uh, selected him, that he definitely talked to his brother Jim at Michigan. And I think we, you know, Ben was a, was a favorite of Jim in Ann Arbor. And uh, I think that uh, John sees some of the same greediness and toughness that will translate well to the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, ben Mason on special teams and where exactly he fits in uh, on the offense in Baltimore. But, you know, he's another guy who uh, might be able to uh, fill a very distinct role in the NFL and uh, definitely is going to have an opportunity to, to show what he can do in Baltimore. Yep, I agree 100% with what you're saying. One thing that I would add about Ben Mason is that he showed a pretty good ability to catch the ball at times. Um, and a lot of athleticism, even in the open field. So um, there, there may be a chance that he sneaks himself into like an H-back blocking uh, tight end um, type role for the Ravens. We know that uh, the Ravens uh, have shown a lot of creativity in their offensive scheming. Um, so he, he provides some, uh, some flexibility to, to create matchup problems. Uh, potentially for those guys, so he, he might sneak himself into uh, into an offensive role, but definitely has the ability to uh, extend his NFL career again by by making his presence felt on special teams. and And that guy is going to do everything he can to keep a helmet on and, and keep playing football. and And I'm sure the the staff in Baltimore will love love Ben Mason. Next pick. Uh... Definitely is, um, I'm definitely happy about the next pick, right? Um, next pick is running back Chris Evans selected in the sixth round by Cincinnati. And, um, you know, uh, Evans is one of these guys who, you know, made an almost instantaneous impact at Michigan early in his career. And just a really great guy to talk to, really enthusiastic, you know, you really I looked forward to talking to him. He, he was always, you know, uh, really enthusiastic and in, in, in describing, you know, how he loved to play football and loved to play for Michigan. And then, you know, let's be uh, let's be clear. You know, he, he made some mistakes, right? Um, later in his career, you know, you could go back a few years ago and it's very easy to see a path where Chris Evans um, might have never returned to Michigan. Forget about ever getting drafted you know, in the NFL. And, you know, he owned up to his mistakes. Um, he took a year off of football. And, uh, you know, one of the stories he would tell is, you know, he had, he was working multiple jobs and one of his jobs was being a delivery man. 
and he would come into the restaurant and look up and see Michigan on the TV. And instead of being, you know, at the big house, he was out delivering food, right? Um, he volunteered at a local high school. I mean, he just did a number of things to, um, to stay close to the game and to do everything he needed to do to clear up his problems. And then again, another player who came back for last year, but probably would have benefited from a full season. Right. And yet still, uh, was able to come back and show enough grit and um, perseverance and, and talent that, uh, you know, he's drafted by Cincinnati. Now, you know, again, being a six round draft pick, you're really going to have to work your tail off and, and do whatever you can and, and uh, you know, work as hard as you can on special teams and, and, and study your tape and do everything, all the things you, everybody else should be doing and do them even more. Right. But to see him have an opportunity after uh, where he was a few years ago is is uh, is good to see. Yeah, that's very well said. I mean, that's another chapter in the the redemption story for for Chris Evans. It's uh, it's great to see again. I, I echo everything you said about his positive attitude and and um, just being a pleasure to to everybody that he interacts with to to be around. And, and you root for guys like that, so let's let's hope that he can maximize this opportunity. It will be interesting to see whether he gets himself into kind of a you know Percy Harvin running back slot receiver combo position um, uh, in their offense in Cincinnati. We know that uh, you know Joe Burrow is going to distribute the ball all over the place. They drafted some other weapons for um, for the offensive side of the ball, so. I, he really opened eyes with his uh, with his combine performance or the combine numbers, especially the explosiveness. Really had a, a huge um, vertical test that you know over over forty inches on his vertical and also his forty and the shuttle. And we know that he that he catches the ball well. So it'll be interesting to see if they carve out a, a space for him in the offense. Uh, maybe in the preseason, we'll see how they're utilizing him but also a guy that, that can contribute on special teams. Um, and, you know, we know that the, uh, the work ethic is there and, and that he will be persistent and, and keep climbing. So I, I'm, I'm glad that he, he added another chapter to that story. And uh, I, I, I certainly hope that the, the story continues because, um, you know, it, it's fun to root for guys like Chris Evans. So, um Cincinnati, not my favorite team to watch or to root for, uh, especially anything in the state of Ohio. But uh, I, I know at least one player in that organization that I'll be rooting for. And uh, I hope Chris Evans uh, finds a way to catch lightning in a bottle and, and make an impact there. So when I see him at the NFL level, uh, the thing that I wonder and I think would be interesting to see him used as is if he can block enough to, well enough to be in um, formations and then occasionally sneak out and take the pass, right? Because the thing that I see about Chris Evans is he he can catch the ball and he kind of has a sneaky kind of speed, right? An elusive, an elusiveness to the way he runs. And I could see him, you know, maybe only getting, you know, a, a couple passes a game, but but at the right time being very impactful. So again, wish him well. And uh, again, great guy. Um, And, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, 
but it, it's how you deal with it and how you own up. And, and I think uh, I, I root for him unequivocally. I mean, he, you know, totally hope he does well. Um, next draft pick is uh, kind of an interesting position. Cameron Cheeseman, long snapper, taken by the Washington Football Club um, late in the sixth round. And, you know, it's interesting because um, long snappers are one of those positions in the NFL that you can quietly play a very long time, right? So uh, it's it'll be interesting to see um, how he progresses. And, it, it, again, it's one of those kind of unheralded positions where um, – Guys quietly can can put together a very nice career, and teams always need them, and uh, they always need not only a primary but a backup. So it'll be interesting to see. And again, Cameron's a guy who you know I wish we could have seen him play this last year for Michigan, but um, all things considered, this is not a bad. You know, this is one of those cases where you look in the sixth round, and I don't know that long snappers uh, go. Uh, much higher than this, right? Like I've seen long snappers be free agents and still have nice careers. So this seems like a decent fit. And again, we'll, we'll be wishing him well and, and hope that he can put together uh, a really nice, uh, you know, couple seasons here and, and carve himself out a permanent role for the foreseeable future in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. If you use a late round pick on a long snapper, I, I think that guy's got a really good chance to, uh, to make a roster and, and contribute, you know, that. You know, spending a pick is not something that most organizations do on their snapper. So uh, he's got a great shot, and clearly they think highly of him. Um, so that's a great thing. I, you know, for for his benefit, I hope someday he finds a way to work his way to uh, to Green Bay. Seems like there's a marketing opportunity there with uh, with the last name Cheeseman um, to kind of cash in and and really become kind of a cult hero over there in Green Bay. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully that extra opportunity finds his way to, to Cameron. But uh, obviously we wish him the best and uh, interesting to see a long snapper drafted and, and good for him. Uh, and then uh, Michigan also had some free agents signed. Um, Nick Eubanks signed by Dallas, Carlo Kemp with the with the Packers, as you just mentioned, and Quinn Nordine with the Patriots. So I think out of that group. The player that I wouldn't have been surprised to see drafted was Nick Eubanks. Um, again, I, I think he has a lot of a lot of raw talent. Um, you know, showed it showed flashes of that at Michigan. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he can carve out a role in Dallas. Um, and you know, Quinn Nordine as a kicker with the Patriots. Again, the Patriots must see something. Um, you know, uh, their knack for evaluating talent didn't leave just because Tom Brady signed elsewhere. They're going to be looking to back, to get back in the thick of things. Um, you know, the thing with Quinn Nordine is, um, again, a player who had, who like, um, Chris Evans had early success at Michigan. And I think, uh, you know, due to injuries and, and, uh, competition kind of tailed off toward the end of his career. But again, um, you know, you root for all these guys, and uh, you know, definitely uh, for for Carlo Kemp, as you mentioned, uh, Green Bay is a great place to play football. If if he can uh, catch on with the team, you know that they have a 
a, a great following there. And again, it's a great place to, uh, to play. Um, I've heard various players compare it to it's the nearest thing in the NFL to a college like experience with the support that you have from the community. Um, so again, wish these guys all the best. Um, so, um, you know, we talked about all the Michigan guys who were taken. Um, you know, another thing that happened was that for the first time in 80 years, no Michigan State player was drafted. And I think that shows kind of uh, that the tank was kind of empty as uh, D'Antonio was, was leaving, right? Um, that doesn't happen by mistake. Um, and I think it just co- shows kind of that – you know, the programs are in two different places. Um, so, uh, um, so Clint, what do you think about that? Well, the, for me, it, it highlights two, two major things. Number one is just the, the absolute uh, horrendous anomaly uh, of that game, the second game of the season, and, and the impact that that second game loss to Michigan State had on the 2020 season. I, I believe that that really framed um, the, the the remainder of the Michigan schedule uh, after that that shock in Ann Arbor of losing to that team. You know, it's clear that there's a major talent disparity, and, and Michigan had no business losing that game. Now, with that said, that major talent disparity shows. Um, in a personnel exercise like the draft with eight draft picks, you know, but of those eight draft picks, three of those guys didn't play a snap for Michigan this year because of opt-outs, which is totally, you know, um, you know, within their rights and, and understandable given the situation um, going into the season with uh, the Big Ten and, and the you know restarting the the schedule, and then you know the injury uh, bug bit another handful of those guys really out of the eight draft picks for Michigan this year only two of them were available for all six of Michigan's games and that's you know Ben Mason and and Chris Evans and you know both those guys were were sixth rounders so um a lot of top heavy talent that um Michigan was missing this season And, and I say that as a little bit of a reminder when when looking forward to the 21 season that uh, you would imagine that it, it, the staff and the players uh, focusing on bouncing back, um, you would imagine that, that I certainly expect them to get back to what has become closer to what we expect to normal under Jim Harbaugh. Um, it's just another piece of information that shows that Michigan as a program is much closer to that second tier um, pushing towards, you know, trying to be competitive and get into the college football playoff. That's the position that Michigan should be in. And just, they did not play that way, uh, in 2020, but it, it's, it's still a stand and still the expectation. So, um, Michigan State is at the other end of that talent right now. And Michigan's got to do everything they can to, uh, to maintain that and make it show, um, on the field, uh, especially this coming season. Well, I think, you know, again, there's a reason you play the games. And as much as uh, 
we were anticipating, you know, Michigan thumping Michigan State. That's not what happened, right? Um, and again, I, I'll say it, there's a reason to play the games, right? I, I think what's frustrating for me is this is the, you know, M- Michigan continues to, um, I guess, uh, have great talent, right? I think the question is, um, how much is that talent being developed? And players still come here, right? Players are coming here and they see the opportunity to go to the next level. Um, and I guess, uh, again, when I look at this, I go, man, we have the talent, you know, coming in on the recruiting side. We have the talent coming through in the draft side. Um, I hope that Jim Harbaugh, you know, with these latest coaching changes, is putting the uh, coaching staff together that can maximize the application of this talent. Because while plenty of people were making cracks about no Michigan State player being drafted, you know, that 80-year streak being broken, man, uh, they put together a real nice game in Ann Arbor, and, uh, you know, it's frustrating, right? It's really frustrating. Um, You know, it it shows that uh, the magic of rivalry games, um, and, man, and then the flip side to that is, man, we are we have been on the losing end of so many Michigan Ohio State rivalry games lately that it's frustrating. Um, and, and again, you just have to keep at it and keep cracking. But uh, it just it's it, it's baffling to see. It's frustrating, um, and uh, you just hope that again that that these changes um, and, and that's kind of where you know where the the mo linguist uh, leaving kind of stings right is. I had kind of just wound myself up on, oh, this is a great pick, you know, guy with NFL expertise. He's going to be, you know, a draw in recruiting, and he's going to be able to teach these guys. And and um, along with Mike McDonald, install kind of an NFL like defense. And and now we're you know uh, looking for a new defensive back coach, right? So it's uh, it's something that you know we have to deal with as fans, but. Um, Again, when I see this kind of talent coming in, you know, there's there's a talent pipeline here, right? That pipeline does not seem to be interrupted by um, by the disappointments versus Ohio State. I guess the question is, is how do we dial up a combination to to kind of get over the hump, right? Right, and you know, we're we're a little bit stuck in the middle, right? I mean, in, in a, from a talent perspective, in comparison to Michigan State. It's clear Michigan has an advantage, but um, that the same thing is clear when comparing Ohio State. You know, Michigan is clearly a step behind. You know, and, and I can tell you, I'd rather be uh, on the top end of that relationship, like we are with the Spartans, than the uh, the bottom end of that relationship, like we are with the Buckeyes. So, um, a lot of work to do, and um, as we've said, it, you know, it it starts now with hiring this next coach and then getting the players and the coaches all on the same page um, and player led workouts through the rest of the spring and the summer. And they really got to hit the ground running in fall camp because there's a lot of work to do before that first game against uh, Western Michigan. So Clint, when I look at this talent pipeline, the big difference I see between us and Ohio state is, you know, plenty of people will make cracks about how Ohio state quarterbacks have failed at the next level, but they're still getting drafted. And 
that seems to be when I look at the differences between, you know, Michigan's NFL draft um, um, success and the Buckeyes draft success is we haven't put out uh, a big, a big time, highly touted NFL ready, NFL ready quarterback in quite a while. And, you know, we get the recruits in and, you know, we've talked about this a lot that when Harbaugh came in, I, I expected Michigan to be quarterback you and, and we still seem to be struggling to get that top recruit in and uh, elevate him to, um, you know, super success on the field and being NFL ready. Yeah, I agree with the quarterback statement, but I would extend it all to all the skill positions on, on both sides of the ball. You know, I think uh, you look at what the Ohio State um, pipeline has done at receiver, you know, uh, and running back and defensive back, and those guys going on to be very high draft picks and and success at the next level. Guys like, uh, you know, Michael Thomas at at receiver and Zeke Elliott um, at running back, Um, a, a whole whole slew of defensive backs, both corners and safeties, you know, and Michigan is closer to, to being in the realm uh, on the front, you know, on the offensive and defensive fronts, but um, you'd probably still give the edge to, to the Buckeyes up there. So I, I think that it's, it's a gap. It's a gap both in, in talent coming in um, and, and development or at least utilization um to where they're putting up big numbers and, and making themselves high round draft picks. Um, and it's an opportunity for Michigan to, to improve on for sure. And I think we see a lot of that activity in, in the staff shakeup that we've talked about a lot, um, that they're trying to generate more energy on the recruiting trail and they're going to um, try to maintain some stamina and stay in the, uh, stay in the battle with some of these high level five-star recruits uh, all the way to the end instead of uh, just asking and, and taking no for an answer right away. So um, let's hope that we see the difference. You know, that's what it's going to, it's going to be the first step towards getting back onto level footing with Ohio state and, and getting back to beating them as much as, as we lose to them. And uh, that starts with once we have to beat the Buckeyes um, as soon as possible to really establish that uh, the things that are changing are, are pushing the program in the right direction. So I think back, you know, to the Super Bowl, right? You had on one hand, you had Tom Brady, you know, the immortal quarterback, right? On the other side, you had Chad Henney uh, as the backup quarterback, right? Two Michigan quarterbacks, uh, you know, conceivably may have faced each other in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, if Mahomes had been had had, had to go out for any reason. And and what's interesting is that Brady played, and you know Henny came in right after him, and and that's a great story. But that was a long time ago, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's the uh, you know as much as you know Michigan uh, tries to uh, get mileage out of Tom Brady's success, you know, and and again, uh, Brady speaks well of his time at Michigan talks about being, you know, named Michigan captain as one of the greatest accomplishments of his athletic career. But that was a long time ago. And, um, you know, it's interesting when you mention, you know, the difference in the skill positions. 
you know, that's definitely the case. Um, you know, I think, uh, and again, you could take like Michigan's NFL recruits and Ohio State's NFL recruits for a couple of years and put together a really good NFL team. Um, unfortunately, the skilled guys are the, are the ones that kind of lead the success at the collegiate level. And if there's any gap we need to close, I, I think that that's definitely it. Absolutely. There's, there's no, no doubt about that. So that's priority number one has to be. So speaking of, uh, the Mo linguist change, uh, is going to be the thing that generates the most interest and the most sizzle in the media. But, um, Michigan recently posted two additional positions and, and shuffling of the behind the scenes staff. Okay. They posted, uh, Director of Football Branding Strategic Communications position and uh, a football director of on-campus recruiting operations. Um, one of those positions is definitely um, more of a, of a support role to um, adjust to, um, you know, the changes on the recruiting side. But what was interesting um, when I looked through the uh, branding and strategic communications it really had a had a few bullet points that was targeting name, image, and likeness, and uh, and you know what's interesting about that, as for as I'm sure many people know, is that the NCAA is is uh, going to be forced, and and I would say forced, kicking and screaming, to allow players to profit from their name, image, and likeness. Uh, I would say in the next couple months, over the next year, um, there's a lot of chaos in the marketplace right now between um, the NCAA not leading and various state legislatures passing laws and conferences doing different things. But was it, what was interesting to me is uh, when I saw this posting, the way I read it, and I'm interested for your take, Clint, is it looked like Michigan was positioning themselves to have support on their staff to help players uh, take advantage of these changes. Um, is that how you looked at it, or, or what do you think about um, how how it look how the posting looked? Yeah, I think the language of the job description kind of steers in that direction, and, and it would make sense. Uh, we know that that uh, paradigm shift is coming. Like you said, it, it could be in the coming months. The NCAA may drag their feet through court and uh, and kick that can down the road for another season or two, but it's coming for sure. And it prevents, or excuse me, it presents a, a pretty significant opportunity for a program like Michigan to to try to maximize their ability to present, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity for those kids to to leverage their media availability and their media presence and their own personal brand um, and actually be uh, compensated for it. So uh, Michigan is, you know, close to a major media market. Um, Michigan, you know, dominates uh, the Ann Arbor and the local area market uh, in terms of um, name, image, and likeness. There is a, a significant um missed opportunity for players of the past but for players of the future it's uh it's a significant opportunity for michigan to 
present a, another recruiting pitch to those high-level five-star recruits that uh, if you come to Ann Arbor and, and play for Michigan, then this is what we can do and how we can help you to uh, to maximize your potential off the field. Um, so I think that it's very smart to lay the groundwork to be prepared to put that foot forward in the upcoming recruiting cycles um, because it's going to be the reality. And if you wait and see what everybody else is doing and try to uh, kind of imitate what other schools are doing, then they get that uh, initial bump from, from being the first ones in there with that recruiting pitch. So I, I do agree with you that, that it seems like there's going to be somebody on staff to help current players and also develop that recruiting pitch to prospects. Makes a lot of sense. It, I know it's part of um, their new recruiting director, Courtney Morgan's background um, is in marketing and, and personal branding. So um, it will be uh, interesting to see what uh, what new angle comes out of this, uh, especially from a recruiting standpoint. And uh, hopefully it presents Michigan an opportunity to close the gap on the recruiting trail with uh, some other programs that maybe take a more direct route to, to funneling funds to, uh, to prospects. This, uh, this would at least be legitimate um, by the, the rules and the, and the laws that are going to come through the legislature soon. Yep. Definitely something to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, we, we will be talking about that uh, a lot in our future podcasts. There's definitely some other interesting things coming down the road that I think will intersect with uh, NIL um, changes. And uh, I think Michigan is in a, a great position to take advantage and, and hopefully help it put it over the top. Um, and, you know, we're not even going to talk about the player who uh, uh, in the SEC who just tweeted a picture of a brand-new car yesterday and uh, had, that, was, had that tweet taken down soon thereafter. I mean, you know, you, you just kind of have to wonder. So, well... That's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.